Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for November 11th is John 14 through John 17. In these four chapters, Jesus reveals more about his relationship with the Father, his relationship with us, his followers, his desire for us, what the, the things are he's calling us to do, what he expects of us and how we are to achieve these things. John 14 begins, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now he had just told the disciples in plain language that he was going to be handed over and crucified. They're finally starting to get it after he'd told them this multiple times. There would be a temptation to be worried, to be confused, to be sad, and to be fearful. And that's exactly why Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Well, why not? This Messiah, this one we've been waiting for, is telling us he's going to die. We've been expecting him to be crowned king of the world, and he's going to die? It doesn't make sense. Don't let your heart be troubled, Jesus says. Believe in God and believe in me. Next, he begins teaching the disciples, and by extension us, about his relationship with the Father, and he's sharing it because it's pertinent. In the same way he and the Father are one, we, through him, have access to the Father as well. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know me, you'll know my Father also. The one who has seen me has seen the Father. The one who believes in me will also do the same works that I've been doing. He'll actually do greater works than these. In verse 12, that word greater comes from the Greek word megas. It's where we get the English word mega, as in larger. We will do larger works than him because he's going to the Father. And the design was for him to start this and for us to finish it. The key to being successful in the kingdom of God is being motivated by love. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. It's not about being a servant. It's about being a friend. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus says. I'm not abandoning you. I'm going so I can send you the counselor. He will live within you and he will give you everything you need to carry out my will. Of course, that counselor is the Holy Spirit. And it's in these chapters we see a more clear picture than anywhere else in Scripture of the community and the nature of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit interacting, God expressing himself in these three different forms, and the counselor, the Holy Spirit, who acts like an attorney. Imagine having a high-power corporate attorney on your side, always backing you up, always defending you, always giving you the right answer whenever you need it. That's how the Holy Spirit works in us. And it's under the name of Jesus Christ. It's under his authority. It's not the name Jesus, as in we're recanting a spell like witchcraft. It's the authority of Jesus. It's the authority of the name Yeshua, which means salvation of Yahweh. It is the salvation of Yahweh by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in those who believe, those who obey him because they love him, that will change this world. Verse 26 says, 
the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in the name of Jesus, under the authority of Jesus is what that means, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've told you. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. Not everything is plainly evident, but as much as we will press in and seek, he says we will find, and the Holy Spirit within us will lead us into all truth. In verse 15, he uses the picture of a vine, a grapevine. If you've ever seen a grapevine in person, especially one that's healthy and producing lots of grapes, you see that there's a large, thick vine that comes from the ground, pulling nutrients through the roots up through that thick vine that goes out to all of the branches. And it's the branches that are highest up that get the most sun that produce the biggest leaves and the biggest grapes. The grapes are the fruit. The grapes are the reason the vine exists. It exists to produce fruit. Jesus says, I am that vine and you are the branches. If any of you are like the branches that are down on the ground, they get covered in dirt. The sun blocks out the ability of the leaves to conduct photosynthesis and therefore there are no grapes. And so the gardener who is the father in this imagery lifts up those branches and cleanses them so they will produce fruit. The branches that are producing fruit already, he prunes so that they will produce more fruit. The entire purpose is to produce fruit. Fruit in the kingdom of heaven is progress. It's being changed and helping others to change and become more like God. And the key to fruit production is to remain in him. Your Bible might say to abide in him. It's to stay with him. It's to wait on him. It's to love him and to be motivated by a desire to stay in his presence. It's meditating on his word day and night and having the Holy Spirit flow through you. It's being washed and cleansed from your unrighteousness because of repentance that's motivated by a love for him. It is not enough to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he went to the cross and died in your place and then rose from the grave. That's only the beginning. His disciples love him. Even the devil believes, but the devil doesn't love him. The question we must ask ourselves is, do we love him? And if we love him, we'll obey his commands. If we love him, we will meditate on his word. If we love him, we will have a love for his word. And if we love him, we can't help but produce fruit. It's the same way that a branch on a grapevine can't help but produce grapes because it's connected to the vine. We as believers must be connected to Jesus. We must spend time in his word. We must be communing with him in prayer, listening for his voice, and following him. Seven times in those first eight verses, Jesus says, abide in me or remain in me, wait on me. And it's the same picture as in Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait upon the Lord shall rise up with wings as eagles and their strength shall be renewed. As the Father has loved me, I 
have also loved you, Jesus says, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the key to eternal happiness. Be motivated by love. Remain in the love of Jesus. Love one another as I have loved you, he says in verse 12. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. Lay down your life for your friends. Do what I did, Jesus says. This is the key. This is how you bear fruit. Stop chasing your own dreams. Forsake everything. Pick up your cross. Follow me. Die to yourself. Do what the Father wants you to do. If you aren't sure what that is, it's to love the people around you. There is no ask Jesus into your heart so you can go to heaven someday. Jesus said, you didn't even choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask under my authority, the Father shall do for you. This is my command, love one another. There's this constant connection, this going back and forth. Love one another, produce fruit, produce fruit love one another, abide in me, remain in me, produce fruit, love one another. Chapter 16 focuses on the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how he, as our great advocate, our counselor, he ministers to us and he leads us into all truth. In chapter 17, we have the longest prayer that's recorded for us in scripture from Jesus. Jesus asks God to glorify him in the same way that he has glorified God the Father. May God the Father glorify him. He says that he glorified God by completing the work that God gave him to do. And we must all become clear on what God is calling us to do, that we would do the work God is calling us to do. And that's how we will glorify him. And that's how he will glorify us. He created us in such a way that we want to be glorified. As much as we might deny it, God wants to bless us. He wants to promote us in the kingdom. And if we're willing to abide in him and love one another, he will do it. In 17.9, Jesus says, I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for those you gave me out of the world. They are not from the world. Your Bible might say they are not of the world. And that word of is very interesting. It's a complex word to be so short. It could be translated out from within or simply from out of. Jesus is saying those who follow him are not from out of the world. It's like they didn't come from this place. They don't really fit in there. They were created for something different, something greater. And this corrupted world is not really worthy of them. The world will hate them because it recognizes that they don't really belong. And so, Father, I pray to you that you would bless them. Not that you would remove them from this place, but that you would protect them and bless them while they're here. And he prayed specifically, not just for the disciples, but he mentions those who will believe in the future, which is us. How comforting is it to know that even 2,000 years ago, Hours before he would be handed over to be crucified, he was literally praying for you and me today. 
And what did he pray? May they be one. Jesus prayed that you and I and all other believers worldwide, past, present, and future, would be one, just as he and the Father are one, so that the world would believe that the Father sent him. Our mission, friends, is to love one another, to be one, to be unified, so that the world would believe that God sent Jesus. That is amazing to me, and it shows that we have some work to do in the church. We are so quick to point fingers and to put each other down. We have our watchdog ministries that warn the unbelievers and everybody else about how wicked and false other teachers are, and there is a place for that. But it should not be our focus at all. Our focus should be loving one another. Jesus said the Father was looking for people who worshipped him in spirit and in truth. Many of us in our pride are so focused on our version of the truth, we're blind to the idea that we're missing the greatest command, which is to love God and love one another. One last thought on this all-important topic. Our commitment needs to be to one another. Many in the church miss this, and they go out and focus on loving the world. And certainly we are to love our neighbor. It's the one who needs mercy, like the good Samaritan. But even more so, it's to love the church. Like in Matthew 25, Jesus said, The least of these my brothers. Our primary motivation should be to love the body of Christ fellow believers. Whether we agree with them on every doctrinal point or not, this is not members of your particular church or denomination. This is brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, children of God. These are to be our first priority. May God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey through the Word with me. It is a blessing. It is an incredible honor. We'll see you tomorrow. And for those of you who are interested, I am a senior real estate specialist and a strategic listing specialist currently operating in southwest florida listing real estate for sale and i partner with call it closed international realty we currently have agents in 16 states and we are growing quickly all across the land if you are a real estate professional looking for a new brokerage i would love to speak with you about call it closed and how it just might be the best place for you to partner with as you take your business to the next level Thank you so much for your consideration. See you tomorrow.